Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. you today. We greet you this morning in the lovely name of Jesus. The sun is shining on the outside. I'd like to think the sun is shining on the inside. The S-O-N. I kind of feel like the S-U-N is shining in here too. But that's all right. Amen. It's a privilege to be in God's house. It's a privilege to serve him. Why do you say it's a privilege? Well, because the Bible says if this gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And I have to believe since Jesus hasn't came yet that there's, there's some people that still haven't heard about this wonderful life-saving message. So being that we are in a, uh, a privileged part of the world, it is a privilege to be in a house that has been dedicated and committed to God that just happens to be air-conditioned. Somebody say, Amen, thank you, Jesus. Run the aisles, talk in tongues. (laughs) Amen. That just happens to be uh, maybe not the most comfortable facility I've ever been in, but it's not bad. Where that I can lift my hands and praise Him, And I can lift my hands and I can worship Him. I can pray without a machine gun or a machete to my head. I can feel liberty freely. It's a privilege. But I believe this morning that... See, I'm not saying all this for nothing. I'm setting you up just a little bit, all right? I believe today that it is important for us when we are so privileged... Every once in a while we pause and just talk about what it is we're privileged about. So I want to talk this morning on on a topic, and we're we're going to get to our scripture text eventually, so just stay with me for a little while. But my topic today for this Bible lesson is Christian Living Basics. Because I don't care how long you've been serving God, you can never mature to the point that the basics are meaningless. Because it is because of the basics, Brother Terry, that I have the privilege to be in God's house. If it had not been for the... And I believe today with all of my heart that some people still don't even understand the basics. And that's not meant to be critical or judgmental. It's just an observation. We need to understand what it is biblically we are saved. What does that mean? What does that mean to say I'm a Christian? What does it mean to say I go to church? Well, I can tell you a million things that it's not. And I can tell you according to the Bible what it is. And the gospel message of Jesus Christ is believe on the Lord Jesus. Repent of your sins. Now this is the Bible. This is not Mason chapter 1 verse 3. This is the Bible tells us that we are to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, thank you Bishop, the remission of our sins. Remission is just a word that means removal. And receive the Holy Ghost according to the Bible, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God give utterance. There are 21 books that follow the book of Acts. They're called the epistles. Letters that contain instructions to the church. In the book of Acts, and we preach from and we believe from and we stand on our existence as an apostolic church from the book of Acts. It is a book of action. It is a book of things that were done in salvation after Jesus had been crucified, resurrected, walked with them for a number of days, and then ascended up into heaven. 
Then we find ourselves in the book of Acts. We see the historical accounts of how the apostles traveled from city to city throughout the world of that day and time. In these cities, they would establish churches. The 21 books following the book of Acts are letters written to the church. And I want you to understand this this morning. This is one of the basic fundamentals of our belief, and it's very important. The 21 letters to the churches in the books that follow the book of Acts, they are instructions on how the people who were born again in the book of Acts should live. After they found their new life in God. Have you ever seen somebody come to church? I know, you, I know the answer to this already, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Come to church, repent, get baptized, get the Holy Ghost, and never come back. What a sad tragedy. Because they've got a gift of God. and It's like taking a newborn baby. Now, pardon the graphic nature of this analogy this morning. But it's like taking a newborn baby and taking them out to the dumpster and sitting their carriage there and walking away and leaving them. Because they are spiritually newborn and now have nothing in which to nourish their maturity for growth. So they are instructions on how to, what do I do with this salvation? That's what the 21 books following the book of Acts are about. Once you have believed in Jesus, once you have repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, once you have fulfilled, been filled with the Holy Ghost, what's next? How do you conduct your life in God? Let me tell you what it's not. What's next is not, not coming back. Right? Now, we can't control that. That's up to the individual. But for the individuals that come back, let me ask you another question this morning. In participation, you can say amen. It's all right. Have you ever seen somebody come to church, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and get the Holy Ghost, and then when they come back to church, that was it? No participation, no worship, no involvement, just existence. Now, if there are people who are just in existence, we need them in the, in the, in the church. This is the right place for them to be. But what I'm trying to tell you this morning that it is, is it is not God's will for you to simply partake of His plan of salvation and then just exist. God is looking for something from you. Look at your neighbor this morning, smack him a high five, and say he's talking to you. God is looking for something from you that is more than just mere existence. Amen. Well... And I feel like I might just, uh, for about 30 seconds, go down a road that I might have went down two weeks ago. I don't know if I am or if I'm not. We'll see. But you say, well, Brother Mason, God didn't call me to preach. That's all right. There's a whole lot, whole, I almost said there's a whole lot better things. Uh, depends on what day of the week it is, I guess, Bishop. There's a whole lot more to do. then stand behind this pulpit. Well, God, God didn't call me to sing or play music. That, that's all right. God didn't call me to be a Sunday school. That's all right. But there are things, let, 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 me, let me just fast forward a little bit in this and, and, and cut right to the chase. If God didn't even call you to do anything instrumentally within His house, whether that's mowing the yard, teaching a Sunday school class, vacuuming carpet, if that's not your calling of God, that's okay. But that does not imply God just wants you to exist. You, you may not be an instrumentalist in the house of God, but God still has a calling on your life that you might enact on a Monday. 
Your service to God might be through the week and you might come back to church on Sunday and get your tank filled. Because somewhere in the traffic and logistics of your life on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday are things and people that you meet that your demonstration of Christianity, your witness, your life is your calling of God to witness to some? I'm not talking about witness by words. If you've been around me long, long enough at all, you've heard me say it, and I'll say it again. The best witness you'll ever be is with your mouth closed. God needs people to do more than just exist in His kingdom. That's His will. And it's on each of us to find our unique calling of God. So how do you conduct your life? I've got this new salvation. I've got this new walk with God. What do I do? How do I live a Christian life with Christian disciplines? How do I develop a deeper relationship and walk with God? All of these questions are answered in the epistles. They are answered in Romans through Jude in your New Testament scripture. Now I want you to notice something that's very, very important for us. There are four books in the New Testament that cover the life and times of Jesus Christ. We can quote them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We call them the four Gospels. Then there is the book of Acts, the book that holds the historical account of the birth of the church and the outlay and the, 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 the falling upon man of the Spirit of God. Then we find these 21 books of the epistles or letters to the churches. Four books about his life. Now watch this, watch the math here, all right? I'm not an expert mathematician, but I can get this one. Four books about his life. One book about salvation, that's five books, and 21 books to tell us how to live. I think he's trying to tell us something. I think there's a message there that understanding about his life and having salvation, that that is not enough for us to know how to live with what he's given us. So we can't stop at just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We can't stop at the book of Acts as important as it is. It's the foundation on which we stand still today. We, but we can't stop there in our walk, in our worship. We have to move on to how do I live? Everybody all right? It's difficult for us. If we're honest with ourselves, it's difficult for us to get super, super excited about being told He wants to teach us how to live. We just typically don't like people, adults especially, this age group. Well, now that I think about it, maybe it's every age group. This age group. That age group, and even that age group. And I don't know what order of, uh, what pecking order it's in. I'll let you decide that. But in humanity, we just simply don't like being told what to do. <laughs> there are a few people. All right, now, I'm, I'm scanning the audience this morning at the top of your forehead, so I'm not making eye contact, I'm not looking at you. Uh, you can make all the faces you want, and we're, go we're still going to be buds, all right? It's going to be fine. But in humanity, we just don't, there are those few people that, that just, Brother Malone, they just, they just long to serve. I, I don't know what it is. But you can, you can give them instructions all day long. And they'll, yes sir, yes ma'am. Sun up to sundown. Now let me tell you, those people are the exception. 
They just are. I said if we're honest with ourselves, you don't have to be honest with yourself this morning. That's up to you. It's between you and God. I'm just telling you a factual truth this morning. A lot of us may still declare verbally, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and walk away and mutter under our breath, I can't believe he just asked me to do that. <laughs> I may have been guilty myself a time or two, or three or four, hallelujah. We just don't like being told. What, but he committed 21 books, 21 missionary works that were established as a result of the birth of the church in the book of Acts. 21 books chock full of examples for us. Now, I don't have a list in front of me. I didn't put it in my notes. But examples for us on how to behave, how to address conflict in our life. You don't believe that? Read the book of Corinthians. How, what, what, what that Holy Ghost I got in the book of Acts is supposed to produce in my life. He, he unveils to us in these instructions the fruits of the Spirit. As well as the gifts of the Spirit. How I should, watch this now. How I should talk. How, now I say this uh, uh, in demonstration, I don't think it's literal, but how I should walk circumspectly. It demonstrates to us how I can deal with my anger management issues. Now some of y'all looking at me like you never met. I know better. In these books, it tells me how to behave. Watch this. This is even better. It tells me what to do when I mess up. That might be the best one not yet. Because in my humanity, I am going to mess up. That's right. I'm going to... I'm going, the man standing behind this pulpit is going to mess up. Don't you think otherwise? You want to watch? Well, let's move on. I could beat that horse for a while. So once you've made your way through a book of Acts experience, you've just received your birth certificate. Your plane ticket's not punched. They don't punch tickets anymore. They scan them, but you understand what I mean. Your, your ticket's not, not cashed in. That is just simply a birth certificate that says you've been born. So if you quit after being born, you're not going to learn anything. If you even still yet come to church and check out because you Holy Ghost filled, you're never going to grow, you'll never mature, and you'll check out mentally, emotionally, and spiritually even if you're here physically. Because guess what? Being in God's house does not dictate that you serve Him. If being in God's presence made us perfect, there would have never been a Satan. If being in God's presence meant that, Lucifer would have never coveted the throne of God. It would have been impossible for him to sin. The dude's in heaven! How much closer can you get? And yet he's still messed up. So being in the house of God, it's important. Don't, don't, don't walk away from here on church June 27th and put a stamp on a quote with my name on it saying that it's not important. It's important. 
All right, I think we've established that, so we'll just leave that one alone. It's important that we be here. This is our education facility for my spirit. I need to learn how to live. But let me tell you, there is more to being in church. There's more to being in a relationship with God than just being at the facility. Because the Bible says that where two or three, we, we talk about this one a lot. We, we, we usually accompany this one with a shout. Two or three in his presence. He'll be in the midst of them. It's all good. It's true. Well, all that tells me is that when a couple of us get together and start talking about Jesus, he'll show up. That's great, and that's important, and I love it, and I appreciate it, and I'm thankful to God for it because that's why he's here this morning. But what that also means on the flip side, if we turn that coin over, is two or three of us can be here filling God and the rest of us not. Now, let, let me just give you a declaration this morning. That's dangerous. That's dangerous for my humanity because that means if I... The anointing, let me say it this way. The anointing is much like a sed, not a sedative, but a anesthetic. That, that's how I always think of God's presence in a church atmosphere like this. It's like an anesthetic to an operation. Anybody ever had surgery of any type? Yeah, hands going up all over the room this morning. Surgery. Would you like to have that surgery with no anesthetic? I don't see anybody shaking their head, yeah. If you're shaking your head, yeah, I won't shake your hand. I'm not man enough for that. I can't do it. Matter of fact, I'm one of those sissies that I won't even have a tooth pulled unless I'm out. Not unless I get lucky with a Tootsie Roll or something and it pops that baby right out of there. But if it's something that's in there and they got to pull it out and work on it, and... no. Not happening with Jerry Mason. It, you Forget it. It, but so, so being in the presence of God, this, this is another reason why it's so important for us when we come to the house of God that we engage with Him. Because if I'm just simply here, I am here in my flesh. Now we're all here in our flesh. I, I get that on a literal sense. But I'm not here and there's no spiritual connectivity. It's not me and God. It's you and God and I'm just watching. And then when there's preaching and there's teaching, that's a little, how might we say, rough? Because it's instructional? What happens? It's like that walking away from the guy that told you what to do and so who does he think he is to tell me what to do? We have that same mentality, even in church. Well, who does he think he is to tell me that whenever I repent and get baptized, whenever I come up out of that burial of baptism, that I'm to walk in newness of life, that I'm not to do the same things that I used to do? Well, that's what the Bible says. So whenever I am... Whenever I am in the presence of God, not just in the church, but whenever I am allow myself to be in His presence, then there's a spiritual anesthetic that's applied that makes me a little more willing to hear the Word of God even when it's something that my flesh doesn't like. You know what? I'm not a medical expert this morning, but you know what I believe just in layman's terms? You know what pain is to the body? It's the body saying, I don't like that. Right? So in my spirit, man, if I'm not spiritual and I don't have that, that, that spiritual uh, salve or, or anesthetic applied to allow me to take that, that cut just a little bit, then my flesh is going to be pained because, oh, I don't like that. 
My point this morning, I've went at great lengths to make it, is that there are 21 books to teach us how to live. It's important that we understand them. It's important that we follow them. We've got to do more than just hear them and then walk out the door. I need to apply God's Word. I, I said I. Alright? Starting here Yes, my, my demonstration of saying me is implied to mean you too. But I need to apply God's Word to my life. And I guarantee you this this morning, there are things I read in God's Word that I do not like. If, can we be honest with ourselves this morning? Not every time I read God's Word do I walk away thinking, ooh, let's go tiptoe through the tulips. I'm feeling good today. There are times I read His Word and I think, man, I wish I wouldn't have read that today. Now, I'm not saying I'm right for feeling that way. I'm just being honest with you. Because something I read convicted me or... Or made me feel bad for throwing that golf club on the course the next day. <laughs> I should get my anger in check. I don't need to throw my clubs. <laughs> I need God. That has to be more than a cliche. That has to be more than just a statement that we say. It has to be our life's mantra. That if you're going to have a book of Acts experience, then you need a New Testament education. If you want to find happiness, there are instructions in the Word of God. There's a lot of self-help books out there. I'm not speaking against them. I've read many of them. Let, let me just clue you in this morning. There is no self-help book that exists that is any better than the virtue of the Word of God. It's not antiquated. It's old, but it's still relevant. It's aged, but it's still alive. It was inspired by the Holy Ghost. And these books were written to the church. Let's move to our scripture text this morning. Lord have mercy, we're 27 minutes in and we haven't even read our text yet. Some of y'all thought I'd already backslid. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10. An old preacher one time said, hit him with the old T and T. 10, 9, and 10. Says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, <clears throat> and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, there are people who make an attempt to avoid God's plan for man in the book of Acts and skip straight to Romans and utilize Romans 10, 9, and 10 as a salvation basis. I want to be very clear here. I'm not, I'm not here to call anybody out. I'm not here to drop names of denominations. I would rather spend more time telling you what the Bible says. But I will tell you clearly that there are people that do not believe, nor do they preach a book of Acts message. They skip completely over the book or the greater majority of it, and they sure don't take Acts chapter 1 and 2. Now, 
they will. These theologists and these pastors and preachers of these beliefs will tell you that all you have to do is confess with your mouth. Their assessment is, is that in that confession, you're saved. When you understand the origin of the epistles and understand that the epistles were written to a church that was already Book of Acts, Holy Ghost filled, They had already repented. Already been baptized in Jesus' name. The man who established these churches, the Apostle Paul, I did the math yesterday. I've often said he wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, which is it's, it, the statement as it's worded is actually correct. 77.7%. And you know what? He repented. He was baptized in Jesus' name. And he received the book of Acts Holy Ghost before these churches were established, before these letters were written. In the establishment of these missionary works, the people in those churches, guess what? They repented. They were baptized in Jesus' name by the Apostle Paul. They received the infilling of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. That's the Bible way. So we, we need to understand the importance of history and the origin of how these, these, these steps through history took place. The book of Romans was written to a church at Rome that was Holy Ghost filled. Not to lost people. Now follow me on the difference here. If... If Romans 10, 9, and 10 was written to people that did not know God, then you could properly assert that when he says, confess with your mouth, you're saved. But when you understand that the book of Romans was written and these verses were spoken to people that had already received the Holy Ghost, they become verses of affirmation reaffirming the experience that you have just received. If you confess with your mouth, worship. How's the Holy Ghost come? By the mouth. You'll be saved. So he's reaffirming that what they had and the act of confessing Jesus is representative of our worship to him. Verse 10 says, have I read verse 10 yet? Let's read it. It says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, reinforcing their Holy Ghost baptism experience. Now that's important. That's important for us as a church to understand. That's important as believers for us to understand so that you don't get all mixed up and tongue-tied when someone tells you the book of Acts isn't necessary. Just believe in your heart and you're saved. Because it takes more than... Yes, you've got to believe in your heart before you'll ever be saved. But the steps of being saved are deeper and more meaningful and more demonstrative in my act to God than just simply saying, I believe. It's more than just a belief. The reason it's called the book of Acts is because it takes our belief and turns our belief into an action. <clears throat> Somebody say amen. Romans, we'll go through the list this morning. Romans was written to the church at Rome. First, and second Corinthians to the church at Corinth. 
Galatians to the church at Galatia, Ephesians to Ephesus, Philippians to Philippi, Colossians to Colossae, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians to Thessalonica, 1st and 2nd Timothy to a young minister named Timothy under the Apostle Paul's ministry, Titus to a convert named Titus of the Apostle Paul, Philemon, a letter mainly to a man named Philemon and a house church. Hebrews was written to the church at Jerusalem. James was the Jerusalem pastor of the apostolic Jewish church. And this letter is to them that are living outside of Jerusalem. First and second Peter, first, second, third John, and Jude are written all to churches in general, regardless of what city they're located in. In these books, you will find every aspect of living a life for God. But it all has its roots. It all has its foundation in our book of Acts experience. I don't know. Bishop, I have a question in my mind. And I, I don't guess I'll ever have an answer unless I get a chance to see Jesus face to face and ask Him. But I don't know that we would have the necessity of these 21 books without the book of Acts. They are, one does not supersede the other, they are connected. I need to be taught how to live because of salvation. I need salvation, then I need to be taught how to live. What, what I'm trying to say is, is in the apostolic church, now I was born in an apostolic church, raised in an apostolic church, slept under pews, played with dried gum underneath the pews, even though my mom told me not to. I, 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 this, is all, this is all I've ever known. I know that's gross, but I was a kid. Don't judge me. But I, this is all I've ever known. All right? If I didn't believe it was truth, I wouldn't be here. Every topic you need, you will find it in the Word of God. But somehow we've got to get our Christian living to the place that I am doing more than just existing. I'm doing more than... Now, if, let, me, let, me re, let me back up here. Let me give a, a precursor to this. If you have had a relationship with God for five years or more, you're my target audience right now. All right? If you've had a relationship with God less than five years, you're still in the growing phase. The reason why kindergarten is, starts at five years old is because it is believed scientifically and medically that five-year-olds have the physical and mental capacity to be taught and to, uh, for the most part, try to sit still. I'm not going to judge them because some of us are just as bad, right? <clears throat> but up to age five, it requires assistance that they don't ask for. You know, a five-year-old can say, teacher. A three-year-old just starts throwing stuff. That's the difference. So in the same, in the same type of vein of thought, I, I say if you've been in church Known God, had a relationship with God five years or more. You're my target audience right now with this statement. And the statement is this. We have, to, we have to get ourselves to the place that we enjoy our life with God for more than just what we get from it. Let me break that down just a little bit. Having been raised in the apostolic church, I, I, don't, I don't know that that gives me a right to say what I'm going to say, but it definitely gives me 46 years of observation. And my observations are this, and I don't understand it, but it's a dynamic that I have seen my entire life. And that is simply this. For some reason in the Pentecostal Apostolic Church, because we feel the presence of God, and we've seen miracles, and we've seen the wonders of God, for some reason we believe, I don't know that we admit it, but our actions demonstrate that we believe that we've got all that we need. That's simply not the case. Yes, I need repentance, baptism in Jesus' name. I don't want to leave that out because that's necessary. And I need the Holy Ghost. Oh, I, I need... <laughs> there are days I just don't feel like I've got enough of Jesus to last. I need Him in my life. Right? I'm admitting to you this morning that I need Him in my life. 
I love coming to church. I love singing. I love playing music. I love worshiping. I love giving God my heart. And yes, if I'm honest with you today, I will tell you that I love feeling His presence. I love to watch other people dance and shout in the Spirit. I love to see people run. I love to see people leap. I love to see people lift their hands. I love to see people clap. But above all of that, I love it. It's necessary. It has its place. I still need, I'm telling you now what I need, not what I want and like. I still need to have a demonstration of God's Word in my heart and in my life or the Holy Ghost I feel on a Sunday night is just a reduplication of a new birth experience that leaves me on Monday wondering how do I behave. Said another way, if all we... I want to be careful saying this because I don't want to imply that, that there's, no, there's no room for shout. We've got room for shout and word. We've got room to shout in the word. Right? That's one of the blessings of being a demonstrative church that demonstrates to Him in our worship that we love Him and think He's worth it. But let me say this this morning very carefully and very forthrightly. And that is simply, I, I, I do not want... I don't want to stay, I'll use myself for an example so, so fewer people get mad at me this morning, but I don't want to stand before God on a Monday representing myself as just a spiritually spoiled brat who's throwing a temper tantrum because life isn't going good. God, I shouted yesterday, why are you doing this to me today? That's where we need to understand that our shout and our worship is not about us. My worship, I don't worship God to feel Him. Because quite honestly, and I, this is just Mason Transparency Day, alright? I'll be honest with you. Quite honestly, there are times I worship Him, I don't feel Him. I don't like it. It's tough. It's rough. It's hard. But there are, times I, there are times I sing and play and lift my hands and do my best that when the song's over, I'm thinking to myself, you hypocrite, you didn't feel a thing. But all I have to remind myself that my worship isn't about me feeling Him. My worship isn't about me obtaining something from Him. My worship to Him is about me demonstrating to Him that He is worth it. And He's worth it whether I feel Him. He's worth it when I feel Him. He's worth it when I don't feel Him. But if all I do, and again, I'm using myself as the example, if all I do is live to shout on a Sunday, and again, you understand, I'm not going to qualify it anymore. The shout is good and important and has its place. But if that's all I'm living for, if that's all my motive is for, is to be here on a Sunday so that I can shout and I can feel good and get goosebumps up and down my spine and I can walk out saying, "Woo, we had some church. And then on a Monday, all a hell hits me right in the forehead and I don't know what to do with myself, then I am just looking at God saying, God, my, what, 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 what my shout mean to you? Because I believe with all of my heart and soul today that God expects us to do everything for ourselves that we can do for ourselves. He'll do the impossible stuff. I don't think He's all... Now, I know there's, there's times in he, He's gracious. There's times He's full of mercy. And there's times He will do things for us that's just like, whoo, those wild God moments. And that's great. But I don't believe as a practice that God is in the business for doing for me what I can do for myself. When I sit down to eat a meal, you can tell I don't miss very many, so I got some experience with what I'm about to tell you. When I sit down to eat a meal, and I put a fork in one hand and a knife in the other, I don't sit there and say, okay, God, feed me. I go to cutting. 
Why? Because I was taught how to do that when I was a child. Now, if you will apply a spiritual application to that analogy, we need the Word of God. All of it. One of the most beautiful things I appreciate about the apostolic church and doctrine is that we try to consume all of it. I need the Word of God to teach me. Teach me how to live. Teach me how to eat this book. So that whenever I have some maturity, maturity doesn't lead me to not worship. Maturity leads me to understand how to put the knife and fork in my hand. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Life isn't very good right now. Thank you, Jesus, because you taught me in the New Testament epistles, in everything, give thanks. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody lift your hands right now and just call on the name of the Lord together. I need his word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, my timer's gone red, so I guess I'll land the plane. These scriptures were written to the church. I want to challenge you today. First of all, understand that your walk with God, number one, it requires a relationship. And the beauty of a relationship, I have a, I have a relationship with my wife that I believe is, on most days, exceptional. And what that means is she has the room to tell me if I'm wrong. I'll I'll admit to you today, in my natural born tendencies, I don't enjoy people telling me when I'm wrong. Now, maybe you do, and if you do, that's that's fine. I, I, I don't. I have to work on it. That's why I need his word. I I need to work on that. And I don't always like it when she tells me, I think you're wrong. Now, you, you know my wife. She is the consummate example of nice, emotional, and loving, and feeling. Not with me all the time. I'm saying this a little softer. Maybe she won't hear me. Not because she doesn't love me, but because we've got a relationship. And our relationship is so close that she feels the freedom. She's as non-confrontational as it can be with everybody on the face of planet Earth but me. She'll confront me. She's not scared of me. My eyebrows cocked up to the side mean nothing to her. Because we have a relationship. And that relationship allows her the freedom to speak truth into my life. You will never grow in God without first developing a relationship. You need, I need, we need a relationship with God that is so deep and loving and caring that we allow Him the freedom to speak truth into our life. That truth is often found not just in the expository Word of God from a pulpit and a microphone, but from our devotion and our reading of His Word. Stand with me this morning.
Christian living basics today. We didn't get real far, but where we did get to, let me just recap it. As we leave today, I want to challenge you. Take inventory of your relationship. Stop worrying about what you don't know of the Word of God. I hear a lot of people say, well, I just don't know that much. I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot from church people. Well, I just don't know that much. Well, let me just clue you into a little bit of a secret here. Neither do I. But what I do know is who I believe in. What I do know is I've got a relationship with someone that whenever I need memory recall, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost will recall those things back to my memory. Sometimes we look up here and we, we, see, we see pastor, we see bishop, we see different, different guys preaching and teaching and they're quoting scripture and they're saying this or that. And there's a lot of things that I quoted this morning just by anointing of God that were not in my manuscript, but there's a lot of things I've got right here in front of me because I've prepared ahead of time. But we're on an equal playing field whenever we get in an environment where there's no preparation. It's a tool and a tactic of the enemy to convince you that you just don't know that much. So what I want to challenge you today is stop worrying about what you don't know and just focus on your relationship. Because at its basic, at its core, at its fundamental truth, I need a relationship with God. And then through the hearing, I'm not saying you shouldn't read. You should read, have your devotion time. Through that and through hearing the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God, that relationship will recall back for you at the time of need. But We need to cultivate and develop. You need to court God. I didn't marry my wife the first day that I asked her to check mark the box, yes or no. That, that's, that's between me and my sister-in-law, and it's nobody else's business. <clears throat> I didn't marry her day one, Brother Fred. I probably would have, but I wasn't old enough. I didn't marry her day one. We built a relationship. We courted each other. I, I don't guess that's a word they use anymore, but... There's enough adults in here that you understand what I'm talking about. You millennials can go home and look it up. <clears throat> but we courted each other. We need to get into a steady relationship with God where we're courting Him. And we're loving Him. Not just when we're here. But in our lifestyle. And in our time with Him. If you bow your head, let's pray together. Father. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.